TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us for this episode is Hannah Furness, a registered dietitian nutritionist who is the manager of nutrition and health with the Texas Beef Council. Hannah, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We're glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Kristen. I'm happy to be here. Now tell us about your role at the Texas Beef Council. I am the manager of nutrition and health for Texas Beef Council, and I focus primarily on the health professional audience. So whether that be dietitians or medical providers, just reaching out to them and doing different events and um, educational materials and opportunities to ensure that they are comfortable knowing about beef's role in the diet. Well, that's great. And just starting off our conversation, let's start with the latest dietary guidelines for Americans and where beef comes into those recommendations. All right, we're jumping right in. So for anyone who is not familiar with the dietary guidelines for Americans, that is a report that's released every five years by jointly by the U.S. Departments of Agriculture and the Health and Human Services Department. And so the most recent edition was released for 2020. And so that will be in effect until the next release, which would be planned for 2025. And really, these guidelines are meant for nutrition and health professionals and policymakers too. And so those people can use them to make decisions and recommendations with the intention of that information reaching the public, but the public isn't necessarily the primary audience for the guidelines. But to get to beef, the great news is that the Dietary Guidelines Report released most recently recognizes that lean meat can support a healthy lifestyle, which I think you and I would both agree to, and that the nutrients found in beef are essential at every life stage. So this edition was a little bit different in formatting because it was segmented into those life stages to be able to provide more specific recommendations for each of those. And so some of them are, you know, pregnant women, babies and toddlers, teen girls, older adults. Those are some of the life stages who are at risk of deficiency of some of the common nutrients that are available in beef, like iron, zinc, protein, B vitamins, and choline. Another thing I would note about this edition is that a key theme of it was making every bite count. And so that's seen throughout the messaging and the report itself. And that what they meant by that is really just emphasizing the importance of choosing nutrient-rich foods to make up the most of what we eat, which again, we can tell that that's easy to do with beef as a, a critical component of the diet, because as many people may know, beef is a good source of 10 essential nutrients. And we'll get into some of that information later on, I think. Perfect. Yeah, it's definitely a power-packed protein. You get a lot with it. So it's so interesting to hear that they have created and, and are looking at those different groups because it makes sense that there are different needs based on your stage of life. And one that is really interesting to me with young kids and one that I think is exciting that, that they're looking at is the babies. So talk to us a little bit about that and how, how to incorporate beef into a baby's diet. All right. Yes. So this edition of the guidelines was actually the first one that has recommendations for the birth to 24 month age range. It used to be that they just started with the two years of age and then went up throughout the, the lifespan beyond that. But it's really cool that, you know, they're, they're expanding that to look at this really early stage of life and kind of just an overall really general guideline from that report is that 
they recommend introducing foods from a variety of food groups to these early eaters. And something that I'll call out in terms of beef is that children from six months to a year of age and even up to two years of age have pretty high iron and zinc needs because they're growing really fast and their brain is developing quickly as well. And iron is is needed for making the connections in the brain between the brain cells. And that's happening really rapidly before children are two years old. So there's an increased need for that iron and zinc from complementary foods as they reach about the six-month age range. And what I mean by complementary foods is just the solid foods that, you know, babies start to eat while they're still getting nutrients from the milk or the formula that they've been sustained on up until that point. And this is important for all babies getting these nutrients from solid foods starting around that time frame, but especially for those who are breastfed, because by about six months after birth, breast milk is declining in iron and zinc content. And so the babies need to be getting more of those nutrients from the starting, starting to introduce that through other foods. And what the experts have said is that by nine months of age, about 90% of a breastfed baby's iron and zinc should be coming from those solid foods. And again, beef is a good source of both of those nutrients and even more so iron consumed from animal source foods like beef is actually easier for our bodies to digest and absorb than from iron coming from um, plant source foods. So beef is a really great way. We can talk about some of the strategies too, but a lot of times people don't think about beef, especially those who aren't involved in you know ranching and raising beef themselves as a way, as a food that would be one of the first ones they could introduce to their babies. Yeah, that's fascinating. And like you said, you know, as ranchers, as cattle producers, you know, it's a very natural thing for us to, yes. <laughs> because because we're eating it ourselves. But it's just exciting to hear, and and exciting to hear that these recommendations are coming out. So, talk to us about how much meat do babies need, and then the logistics of feeding babies beef. All right. Yes. So, what they have recommended is about one to two ounces of beef per day would be able to meet those iron and zinc needs. And so, if people are wondering, you know, I don't have a I'm not weighing my food out. Um, typically, most people aren't doing that. So what does three ounces really look like? Or Sorry, three ounces would be about the size of a deck of cards. So if we're thinking one to two ounces for these babies, that would be like a third to two thirds the size of a deck of cards, which is something that you know most people know the size of. And that doesn't have to be eaten all at once. You know, in one meal, we know that babies don't always want to eat that much at a meal or a snack, but that can be just broken up into, you know, maybe a a couple bites at one meal and then a couple bites later in the day. So that can be broken up throughout the different eating occasions that they're having. And then, like I said, the dietary guidelines do recommend that these infants and toddlers are consuming foods from a variety of food groups. So I would also just encourage, you know, parents to introduce beef alongside some of the other foods like fruits and veggies and grains, dairy, all those different food groups so that the babies are getting vitamins and minerals and macronutrients that each of them are providing. But the beef is a great way to get the iron and zinc that we were talking about. And so, like you said, logistically, how does this work? Especially for people who maybe not, maybe aren't as comfortable, you know, they may have concerns with introducing solid foods in general or with um, meat in particular. And as far as maybe new parents, you know, thinking about when do I even introduce solid foods to my baby? 
we would definitely recommend that any parents or caregivers talk to their healthcare provider with questions because each child will be different, but there are a few signs of readiness that can help signal when babies are ready to start eating solid foods. And so a few of those would be better head and neck control that they're able to do that on their own, sitting up on their own, at least, you know, being able to hold themselves up if they're in a chair, a high chair type setting, showing interest in food if like parents or others are eating while they're present. And then bringing objects to their mouth, even though, you know, sometimes that might be toys at first, not necessarily food, but that's another sign of readiness. But again, that can vary. It doesn't always happen right at six months. And so it would just be beneficial to talk with your own healthcare providers to learn, you know, when your own babies would be ready for that. But then when they are um, infants six to eight months old who are kind of just starting out this eating process, One good option would be pureed beef, which is sometimes not the one that we would go to first because we may think, oh, you know, that's not as appealing to an adult, but it can be a really great option for infants. And you can purchase that at the store or it can really easily be made at home using, you know, an easy way to start would be cooked ground beef. So just cooking up some ground beef crumbles and then putting that into a blender with formula or breast milk, you know, whatever they're getting regularly. And then you can actually increase and decrease, I guess, the amount of formula or breast milk that you're using as they're getting older to make that texture a little bit chunkier and thicker because they'll start to progress through those stages of different textures. But another option, if you don't, if you don't want to go down the pureeing route, a lot of parents now are choosing to use the baby led weaning method, which essentially just means allowing the baby to be more independent to feed themselves versus parents, you know, spoon feeding. And so for that method, you can give them like bigger slices, whether that's of, you know, steak or longer slender pieces of something like meatloaf, cutting a a hamburger into longer slender, slender slices, or even, you know, a roast that's really tender and in longer pieces, because then babies can pick it up with their palms. They have what's called a palmer grasp at that age. And so they're essentially using all of their fingers to pick that up at once. And that would be around six to nine months of age is when they typically have that grasp. And then they, they learn to start using their, their fingers with their thumb in what's called a pincer grasp at like eight or nine months of age. And so then you can start cutting it into smaller pieces. Again, whatever you are having, whether that's, you know, a tender steak or some tender pieces of roast or anything like that, they can start to pick up those smaller pieces and put them in their mouth. And I would also say, you know, we mentioned tender cuts. Those are great options for babies, whether that's, again, a roast that was slow cooked or ground beef. But even if they can't chew up or swallow the beef when they're first starting to eat, they can, you know, glean some of those nutrients even just by sucking on it and exploring and and learning. It's a whole learning process. It seems a little bit strange as adults that, you know, they wouldn't know how to eat, but that's definitely a learning process that they're going through and just exploring the different textures and flavors and smells and all of that. Well, that's wonderful. And and so neat to hear and and just the options and the logistics. And I love it. And you mentioned that your job is disseminating information, basically. So talk to us about how this great information is being disseminated and getting out to pediatricians and people like that who are guiding parents through this process of their kids growing and exploring feeding their kids. Yeah, for sure. This has been a really fun topic for us to kind of dive into. You know, beef has always been 
a good source of iron and zinc. So it's not as if it's a totally new topic, but with the dietary guidelines, including this age range, we've been doing a lot more outreach through TBC to make sure that health professionals know. So whether that's, again, dietitians working with young um, children or pediatricians or other health professionals, we've been doing um, some different outreach to make sure that they know the benefits of these nutrients for this age range and also that they feel confident recommending beef as a first food. So a few ways that we do this would be by providing digital education through things like webinars or podcasts, you know, like we're doing right now, but working with people who have an audience that is parents of young children. And similarly, we work with dietitians on social media to reach their audiences, people who do have an audience that's, you know, people who are interested in how do I feed my baby and what about when they're growing up and they become pickier eaters and things like that. So we've been partnering with some credentialed experts to be able to reach audiences beyond the people that we would be able to reach on our own. And then this fall, we'll actually be attending the Texas Pediatric Society's annual conference to share this information with the pediatricians and other health professionals that attend there. And one last way that I'll mention is that we also were able to partner with NCBA, National Cattle and Beef Association, earlier this year to send toolkits to pediatric offices as well as birthing centers in Texas with, again, just more about this research that we've been talking about and patient handouts as well so that they're informed and they can also disseminate this information to the people that they're working with. Well, that is all so exciting to hear. So switching gears a little bit, I heard a statistic recently, and I don't have exactly the exact numbers in front of me, but about the increase in obesity among teenagers. So let's fast forward a little bit and talk about adolescence and how important beef is during those years and how it it plays into a healthy, healthy diet. Yes. And, you know, we kind of extend this too. If we're talking to pediatricians, a lot of them aren't just working with those really early, really young children, but they might be working with adolescents as well. So we talk about beef's role across the whole lifespan. And obviously, obesity is a really complex issue. And so I don't want to simplify it to, you know, there being one easy solution. But some interesting research has been done in a population of overweight adolescents looking at protein intake throughout the day and how that can help with some of these factors that influence obesity. And what they have found is that, you know, and this is just one specific tactic that might be used, but eating a higher protein breakfast can actually lead to decreased feelings of hunger, increased feelings of satiety or fullness throughout the day, as well as less snacking. So these these teens were eating a higher protein breakfast, but then they weren't being, you know, they were being monitored, but not told what to eat for the rest of the day. But they actually did less snacking on these higher energy foods like snacky, you know, sweets or foods that aren't providing necessarily the essential nutrients that our bodies need but they're providing a lot of calories. And they also saw reduced body fat gain in those adolescents who were eating a higher protein amount at breakfast. So, you know, that's good news because we can take some simple steps, even though this is a really complicated issue and it's definitely prevalent across the United States. But I would also mention that the dietary guidelines recognizes that adolescents are often under consuming a variety of nutrients that are found in beef. I kind of mentioned that at the beginning. But high quality protein, adolescent girls in particular, don't typically get enough of that high quality protein. And then iron, zinc, and choline are some other ones. And adolescent girls, again, 
actually require more iron daily than men of the same age or those adolescent boys. And so, like I mentioned, the iron in beef or red meat is more completely absorbed by the body than the iron that we would get from plant products like breads or cereals, even if they're fortified. So some interesting ways that beef can definitely support and help to improve the quality of diets for adolescents. And I would just say that, you know, in my opinion, it's the diet as a whole that's really really matters. And even going back to the dietary guidelines theme of making every bite count, I think it's, again, all of the foods that we're putting on our plate or that make up our dietary pattern are going to have an impact. So making sure that those are nutrient rich is really critical. And we all know it's easy to, even as adults, it's easy to grab a snack out of the the pantry if we're feeling hungry in the afternoon. Um, And it's not always the most nutritious choice. So especially as infants and toddlers and then into the adolescent years are growing and developing, it's really important that we're able to help them choose those nutrient-rich choices. Sure. Well, and I love that. Every bite counts and being aware and great information. Okay. So then fast forwarding a little bit more, let's talk about adults and beef and a healthy diet with adults. All right. Yes. So I talked a little bit about protein in adolescence, but As most people probably know, protein is needed for, you know, muscle maintenance in our bodies. It's the building block of muscle. And when I say that, a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm not going to the the weight room every day. Do I really need to be concerned about that? But muscle maintenance is actually a critical part of healthy aging. So our bodies typically start to decline in lean muscle mass, even like as early as 40s, then, you know, going into the older years, we get into the issue of sarcopenia and more decline in muscle mass as people get even older. But protein is also critical for weight management. Again, obesity is not just an issue in adolescence, but into the older adult population as well. And even for those who don't struggle with obesity, you know, weight management is an important part. You know, if you're not even trying to lose weight, just managing it, maintaining a healthy weight, uh, protein can be an important a component of how we can do that. And so I would just say that that's one way, again, that beef can support healthy diets. Some people, you know, I get the question a lot, well, are Americans over consuming protein? And what we can see from intake data and the dietary guidelines is that in America, most people are eating enough protein to meet the minimum requirements. So we're not, we don't have a problem with protein deficiency in America typically, but there's different ways to look at how much protein our bodies really need. Another way is to look at the AMDR. This is going to get a little bit technical for a minute, but that's the acceptable macronutrient distribution range. And the Institute of Medicine has said, okay, this is a range of macronutrients. You know, they have it for the different macronutrients but that would help reduce the risk of chronic disease and ensure that we're getting all of those essential nutrients that we need. And so they have set that for protein at 10 to 35% of calories coming from protein. And Americans in general get about 16% of their calories from protein on average again. So some people are getting more, some less, but we are definitely well within that range as, as an average protein intake in this country. And so I would just, I think to me that suggests that Some people may benefit from actually eating more protein, but we need to think about where that's coming from too. And so if, if that's true, if some of us, you know, could consume more protein for optimal health, then we should think about where that's coming from. So animal based proteins like beef 
are able to contribute more protein as well as other, other nutrients like we talked about on a, a calorie for calorie basis than some of the plant source proteins. So we talked about a three ounce serving of beef. That's about the size of a deck of cards. That'll give you about 25 grams of protein on average. To get that same amount of protein from just one example, let's say quinoa, eat about three cups of it. So I don't know about you, but, and I like quinoa, but I don't know that I could eat three cups, you know, in a single meal and then also have the other foods to make up a balanced plate. So, and along with that, it would be a lot more calories. So from the three ounces of beef, it would be about 170 calories. Three cups of quinoa is over 660. So I am not suggesting, you know, that, that every, Every meal needs to be only animal protein by any means. Again, we take a balanced approach based on the dietary guidelines, considering all of those different food groups and the nutrients that they provide. But in terms of, again, going back to weight management and maintaining muscle, this high quality protein is actually really important. And so I just would encourage people to think about that when they're building their meals. I think anchoring your plate with protein is a great way to start and then building around that with the other food groups. Sure. Yeah. Well, and Hannah, as we wrap up today, we really appreciate your time and visiting with us and sharing how beef does have a prominent role in a healthy and balanced diet. Yes, definitely. And I am really grateful to be able to work for the Texas Beef Council to be able to share that information with health professionals and with consumers and anyone and to clear up some of those misconceptions. Wonderful. And where do folks go? Where do producers go to learn more about the work that y'all are doing? So the texasbeefcheckoff.com website would be the best place for producers to go to learn about the programs that the Texas Beef Council is employing. You'll be able to see some of our health professional outreach there. And while you're there, you can also, if interested, sign up for Cattle Talk, which is a publication that can keep you up to date without you know yourself having to think about it on how these checkoff dollars are being used in the state of Texas and the impact that they're having. And that can be digitally or printed, whatever um, your preference is. But you can sign up for that right on the texasbeefcheckoff.com website. Wonderful. Thank you again, Hannah. And to our listeners, thanks for listening today. We invite you to be part of one of our ranch gatherings and virtual ranching 101. For a full list of ranch gathering locations, ranch gathering 101 topics, and more information about cattle raisers, visit tscra.org or email events at tscra.org.